Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 10. We bless God for all of you streaming with us on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, our website. We bless the Lord for you, everyone on the conference call. We bless God for your presence as well, everyone that, who's actually here in the facility. We thank God for you, all of you serving today. Thank you all very very much everyone on security media music the ministers praise team everybody jan scott our admin assistant is uh is in the is in the building thank you all so very very much for everything you do to make things happen here at union grove deuteronomy chapter 8 i'm just going to read a few verses beginning at verse number 10 and again please keep your bible open we're going to be up and down the eighth chapter of deuteronomy i'm going to Try to move so you can keep up. I think you'll have an easy job keeping up, but keep your Bibles and your app open. Deuteronomy 8 and 10. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and has built goodly houses and dwelt therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee, to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, my power and, my, and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for he, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. Amen. I want to talk briefly from the thought this morning. God is my reason why. God is my reason why. Again, as I've shared this past Wednesday in Bible study and this past Sunday, uh, the Sunday morning, Deuteronomy, y'all, is Moses empowering a younger generation that will go in and conquer Canaan. Canaan is the promised land. And Moses knows how awesome Canaan is and how easily the children of Israel can ruin this amazing opportunity. He knows they can have more in Canaan than their parents had as slaves in Egypt. He also knows they can mess it all up. He knows God is able to give them a life of mind-blowing blessings. He knows firsthand, Moses does, how disobeying God and not trusting him can make you miss out 
on what the Lord had waiting on you. He doesn't want that to happen. He doesn't want what happened to him to happen to them. So they will need to focus on the Lord. God will need to be their strong, compelling reason why. And God being your why, your motivation, your, the one who drives you, your, uh, the, the, he, he being your focus, the foundation for living, the, the reason why you do what you do, fight for what you fight for. It, it takes a lot of work. We can talk about how we woke up this morning with our mind stayed on Jesus, but keeping your mind stayed on him throughout the day, every day, takes work. It's a mental thing. It's a heart thing. And we all need help in keeping our minds stayed on Jesus. It is so easy to shift your focus from the Lord to your problems, your enemies, how so many kids in your school are quarantined, or domestic terrorism, or the White House, or the U.S. Capitol, or the pandemic, or your bills, or your pain, or a whole lot of other stuff. And Deuteronomy helps us see Moses trying to get them to keep their minds fixed on the Lord in this eighth chapter. He wants God to be their reason why. For example, number one, God is the reason why they were to live why they should live. Every one of us needs to declare God is the reason why I live the way I live. Let's begin at verse number one. I'm going to read a, a number of verses here in Deuteronomy 8, but we get this, first of all, from Deuteronomy 8 and 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do. In other words, God is saying, I want to be the reason why you live the way you live. Drop down to verse number 6. Verse number 6 says, Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to fear him. The generation of the children of Israel was to live in obedience to the commands of God. They were to obey the commands of God rather than the commandments of their own making or traditions of their own making. They were to honor God and reverence him as he commanded. They were to treat one another according to what the Lord commanded. They were not to kill. They were not to steal as God had commanded. They were to not bear false witness against their neighbor as God had commanded. In other words, the reason for their lifestyles, the reason for their ethics was to be based on what God had commanded. The way they conducted business, how they treated one another, how they administered justice was to be because of God's commands. But verses 1 and 6 aren't the only verses where we see God is to be the reason why they live the way we live. Consider the latter part of verse number three. The latter part of verse number three, the word of God says, Man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Some people live the way they live just to get material needs met. All they think they need in life is food, water, clothing, shelter, Jordans, and other material, tangible things. But we need more than that. We need more than that. We also must live by hearing, understanding, trusting, and obeying the truth of God's word. We cannot live by bread alone. We cannot live only by tangible things. And Jesus even reminds us of that in the New Testament. We need God's word to shape our lifestyles. And when God is the reason why someone lives the way they live, it is an inspiring and wonderful thing to see. 
Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. believed God's commands, especially the teachings of Jesus that promoted a brotherhood of, in his own words, all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, end quote. He dedicated his life towards civil rights because he believed God's commands were not reflected in how people of color and the poor were treated in America. God was the reason why he lived the way he lived and sacrificing wealth and his life toward justice. When God is the reason why you live the way you live, it makes you unstoppable. Bombs didn't stop him. Dogs and fire, how, fire hoses and nor billy clubs stopped him. Being stabbed, being sent to jail, being under surveillance by the CIA and even being dissed by his own people in the latter part of his life did not stop him. God as your why is strong enough to make you unstoppable. Then Moses encouraged them, he exhorted them not to forget God's commands, promises, or warnings. Look at verse number 10. We're still dealing with why these people were to live the way uh, God, why God would be their reason why they were to live how they would live. Look at verse number 10. Verse 10, when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou, here it is, forget, forget or ignore or or wither in your attention and focus or even come to a place where you cease to care beware that thy that thou forget not the lord thy god in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which i command thee this day the same thing comes up in verse number 14 this notion of forgetting look at verse 14 then thine heart be lifted up and thou here it is y'all forget ignore Wither in giving it your attention. Cease to care the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve. I'm sorry. Uh, the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And then verse 19, verse 19, verse 19, it comes up again. And it shall be if thou do at all forget, ignore, wither in paying attention, drift away from him, cease to care the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. It is easy to forget if God is nothing more than the man upstairs to help you deal with your troubles or assist you as you move up in life. Once you get what you wanted or needed from him, you move on living the way you want to live as, as though you've forgotten who he is and what he has commanded. God has to be more than a one call, that's all, when you need a hookup of some sorts. We praise Jesus for being our doctor and, and being our lawyer. And if the truth is told, y'all, we treat the Lord just like that. We treat him just as if he's our doctor our doctor or our lawyer we only call our doctors when we need to we only call our lawyers when we need to if you think I'm lying let me ask you when's the last time you called your doctor when is the last time you called your lawyer and we treat Jesus the same way listen we we he has to be the God to whom we surrender the God with whom we commune and fellowship. He must be the reason why we live 
the way we live. So hide his word in your heart. Meditate on his word throughout your day. Listen to music that keeps your mind stayed on him. Make God the reason why you live the way you live. But not only that, secondly, secondly, make God the reason why you're going where you're going. Make God the reason why you're going where you're going. Let's look at verse 1 one more time. Verse 1 one more time. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply. Here it is, y'all. Here's where they're going. And go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Listen, Moses is trying to empower this generation, this next generation, this, this younger generation to go in and possess the land God is giving them. Where God would bring them is where God would bless them. As they listen to Moses, they are still in the wilderness on the east side of the Jordan River. Some of the cities in Canaan have already been conquered. Some of the tribes of Israel have settled in those lands. But there is yet more territory to conquer. Progress has been made, but they're still going somewhere. They are to cross the Jordan and go in and possess more territory. If anyone asks them why they wouldn't stay on the east side of the Jordan and cultivate that land, they'd simply need to respond, this ain't where God has taken us. If anyone asks them why they wouldn't return to Egypt and make Egypt work for them, they'd simply need to respond, Egypt ain't what God ordained for us. They needed to be clear that God had a place where he was taking them and that is where they needed to go. They needed to look at Egypt with a divine painful that ain't it to keep them from going back. Being a slave to someone I could never satisfy no matter what I did or how I did it. That ain't it. No matter how well I did what I did or how hard I worked, I'd never be more than a slave in that place. They never recognize my intelligence, my creativity, my divine gifts, or my being chosen by God. That ain't it. Being oppressed by someone who was intimidated when they saw God blessing me, that ain't it. I ain't going back. They also needed to look at the current wilderness with a divine gut-riching disainted either deep down in their spirit. Being here where I'm going around and around in circles, disainted either. Get a job, lose a job. Get a job, lose a job. Disainted either. On fire for God, then I ain't studying God. On fire for God, then I ain't got time for God. Disainted either. Wandering in life with no sense of direction, nothing to speak of forward progression, just going around and around in circles like a dog chasing its own tail. This ain't it either. And Martin Luther King Jr. had a God-given why for where he was going. It was not fame or fortune. His why or his motivation was not wealth or great notoriety. It was not the Nobel Peace Prize. In fact, the night before his assassination, he preached, I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Martin Luther King Jr. testified he'd seen it. He caught a glimpse of where God was taking us. He saw what put a holy, that's it, 
in his spirit. Maybe you need a glimpse of where God can take you. Maybe that'll keep you from returning to Egypt. Maybe it'll keep you out of this wilderness for good this time. God has given you a, listen, God has given you a glimpse of where he can take you in his word. You can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. You can have peace that passes all understanding. You can be delivered from depression. You can be delivered from thinking you have no purpose no meaning or no value you can be delivered to a place where you can look at it in advance and say that's it that's it you can be delivered from addiction you don't have to be addicted to crack you don't have to be addicted to marijuana you don't have to be addicted to alcohol that's it you can be so delivered you're getting other people delivered you can be a Harriet Tubman in the Holy Ghost getting other people delivered from what had you enslaved depression addiction sin jealousy bitterness rage get in the word of God and get a glimpse of what's possible and envision it for your own future go where God is taking you with a God glorifying supernatural ain't going back ain't settling here that's it and I want to know who is tired of and making sure in your mind I ain't going back to where he brought me out of I'm not staying where I am I'm going where God has ordained for me to go that's why I can't settle that's why I can't go backward that's why I can't sit still because that ain't it this ain't it either and when I look at what God can make possible for me there's something in my spirit that simply says that's it if that's what you're thinking today put a holy dice that's it in the comment section that's it a place of deliverance a place of joy a place of peace a place of forward progress a place of being unstoppable always abounding in the work of the Lord I need somebody to just type that's it let God be the reason why you live the way you live. Let God be the reason why you're going where you're going. But thirdly, let God be the reason why you made it through what you went through. Yes, God is the reason why I made it through I went through. Let's start at verse number two. Come on, back, do the, do the moonwalk back up to verse number two. Verse two, Moses is telling this younger generation, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know. Drop down to verse 4. Verse 4, thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord God, Lord thy God chasteneth thee. And then in verse number 15, Moses is also recounting how they've made it through what they've gone through. Look at verse 15. Verse 15, he says, who led thee, speaking of God, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, with, with which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee and to do thee good at thy latter end. Moses reviewed why they survived the wilderness with all of its threats of serpents, scorpions, hunger, and thirst. They survived it with God keeping their clothes and shoes from wearing out. Their feet did not swell. The gout didn't get them. 
It was all because of God's divine providence. They were to never forget it. But why? Why did God bless them to survive the wilderness? Good question. I'm glad you asked. It's right there in the text. They went through it to be humbled. One reason why is they went through it to be humbled. That word humbled means to become low, to humble oneself, to, to recognize your need for the Lord's provision. Humbling myself keeps me from getting too caught up in my own intelligence. Humbling myself keeps me from getting too caught up in my own creativity or, or my own resume, my, my own background or, or my own strength, my, my own connections. It, to humble myself makes, makes me to say to myself, if it had not been for the Lord on my side. I don't know where I would be. God wanted them to always depend on him and worship him. He humbled them so pride wouldn't destroy them. When the food was running out, God was simply trying to humble them. When they ran out of, when their water got cut off, God was simply trying to humble them. The reason why they're still wearing the same clothes today that they were wearing in the 90s, God is simply trying to humble them. Sometimes we go through hardship to keep us always mindful of how much we need the Lord. And that ain't a bad thing because the Bible declares God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. They went through what they've gone through to be humble. But not only that, the Bible says they went through what they've gone through to be proved. They went through it to be proved. This, 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 this means, this means that to expose what you're really made of. Yeah, to be given a testimony that has been tested. To have a praise that has been purified. This is why we experience hardship in life sometimes. Is God wanting to make us witnesses with tested testimonies. It's one thing to hear how God can provide or protect or deliver or heal. But that thing is different when you've seen it for yourself. I wonder how many of y'all can testify. I've seen him do it for myself. I got a testimony. My mama had her own. I got my own. My daddy had his, but I have my own. The other ministers and deacons have theirs, but I got my own. I wonder who, who's streaming right now at 30, 35 years old, 20, 25 years old, 15, 16 years old, already have a testimony that's been tested. You've had to go through some stuff for yourself, and you know what God is able to do. Not because of what your Sunday school teacher taught you not because of what your pastor preached to you not because of how your mama laid hands on you but because you had to go through it for yourself and already you got a testimony that's been tested they were proved proved to see if they were if they would worship when the times were good and when times were bad when they were up and when they were down they had to be they had to be proved but not only that they went through it y'all to be matured to be mature, not only were they to be humbled, not only were they to be tested or proved, they were to be mature. They were chastened for rebellion. They messed up. There was no, there was no making a mistake about it. They were guilty of sinning and rebelling against God. And the Bible says that they were chastened just as a father who loves his son will chasten his son. So God chastened Israel. The chastening is reserved again, y'all, for sons, here it is, who are to emerge more disciplined, more self-controlled, and maturing in holiness. And sometimes we too have to go through what we go through in order to be matured. As disciples of Jesus, although he has saved us from sin by the power of his blood, we still have to grow in holiness. 
God doesn't want us too immature to keep what we conquer. Some folks cannot keep what they conquer because of their immaturity. There's their own lack of discipline. Some, some stuff you're going through right now is to make you mature enough to conquer and keep what God has in store for you. Maturity happens when you say to yourself, what I did displeased God. What I did works against me getting to where God is taking me. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to lay aside that sin. I'm going to lay aside that weight because it's so easily besetting me. But not only, that, not only did God take them through what they've gone through to humble them, improve them, and mature them, but God in his word in Deuteronomy 8 says that he took them through what he took them through to bless them in the end. That ought to encourage somebody who's going through it right now. Right now, you might be in the very beginning of it, but God is taking you through what you're going through to bless you in the end. I know it looks ugly right now, but you've got to be encouraged. You've got to, listen, you've got to have God as your reason why. Why you're going to endure. Why you're going to hang in there. Why you're not going to quit. Why you're not going to drop out of the race. You've got to have God as your reason why. And sometimes in the midnight hour when you can't sleep, you just got to remind yourself, God is my reason why. And if he, listen, if I can't see him blessing me now, I'm just going to wait until the end don't you know Job got blessed in the end don't you know the children of Israel got blessed in the end don't you know that when they had nails in Jesus hands it didn't look too good but that wasn't the that wasn't the end that was the beginning when they took him off that old rugged cross that wasn't the end that was the beginning when they put him in that borrowed grave that wasn't the end that was probably right around the middle but early that Sunday morning when he got up with all power in his hands that ain't even the end for when he comes back hallelujah how many of you know he's coming back when Jesus comes back and puts the enemy under his feet puts death under his feet then it'll be the end sometimes you just got to wait until the end if anybody's going through I would just encourage you to encourage yourself and say God is taking me through this so he can bless me in the end but Moses was trying to tell the children of Israel that God made sure they made it the serpents attacked but God made sure they made it the scorpions were a threat but God made sure they made it their food ran out their water got cut off, but God made sure they made it. And I need somebody here to understand that with everything you've already gone through, it's only because the reason why you've made it is because God made sure you made it. And listen, the truth must be told that some saints never survive their storms because they make their storms a cemetery instead of a sanctuary. Some people can kill themselves with negativity and discouragement. They complain how nothing is going right. No one is there for them. They forget the Lord's power in his divine providence. Their thinking causes them to see their situation and as a cemetery. Their dreams die there. Their hopes get buried there. Their joy gets buried there. Their drive gets buried there. Their resilience gets buried there. God doesn't intend for such things to die, but they do when children of God make their struggle a cemetery. But if you make it, if you make 
what you're going through a sanctuary a place where you see God is present your situation becomes a sanctuary look for God to be with you look for God to make himself known to you in a fresh and new way in your situation Look for God to open a door of employment or entrepreneurship when you're in between jobs. Look for God to protect you in the midst of racial hostility and, pandem and global pandemic. Make your situation a sanctuary. If you're struggling but, but, but you envision God making a way for someone your size to drop clothes off at the goodwill, clothes you need for the interview, a coat you need for the winter, dishes you need for your kitchen, then your struggle becomes a sanctuary. I need somebody who's struggling right now to believe that God is going to touch the heart of somebody who has what you need to put your blessing right where you can get it. Can I get a witness here? Right now, God is present in your struggle, working things together for good. So is your struggle a cemetery or is it a sanctuary? Are you going to die there or are you going to encounter God there like never before and see him move like never before? and see him heal like never before and see him provide like never before declare my struggle is not a cemetery it is a sanctuary and I'm looking for God to humble me to prove me to mature me and break me off in the end you're gonna make it through this if you make your situation a sanctuary instead of a cemetery you're going to make it through this all the stuff you've made it through prior to what you're going through right now it's not because of your money it's not because of your hookup it's not because you know highfalutin people and highfalutin places it's because of God give him the glory give him the praise he's the one who brought you through it and he's the one who can bring you through this God is the reason why I live the way I live he is the reason why I'm going where I'm going. God is the reason why I made it through what I went through. And finally, he is the reason why I shall have what I shall have. God is the reason why I shall have what I shall have. Look at verse number seven. Verse number seven. Verse number seven. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. What are they going to have? A land of brooks of water of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. What are they going to have, Moses? A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of oil, olive, and honey. Uh, Moses, what are they going to have? A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. Yeah, Moses is trying to get them to understand what they're going to have. Moses was trying to help the children of Israel expect God, watch this y'all, to make them prosperous in the promised land. They would enjoy abundance. They would have plenty of everything. Plenty food, plenty clothes, plenty resources. Moses told them God would make them so prosperous, please hear me, that poverty wasn't on his forecast for their future. Poverty wasn't on the radar for them. This text and others in Deuteronomy are used to promote what's referred to as the prosperity gospel. In other words, a gospel that promotes that all followers of Jesus are supposed to have wealth. 
While God gives us the power or the ability or the, or the opportunities to get wealth, the prosperity gospel, uh, God blessing all believers to, 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 to be wealthy or rich, is not biblical. And we need to carefully exegete Deuteronomy while we try to give it modern-day application for New Testament believers. But some of this text is strictly for the generation Moses addressed who will go in and occupy Canaan. This generation of the children of Israel who was going in to conquer Canaan were told they would not know anything about poverty and scarcity. It wasn't on the radar as long as they remained obedient to the Lord. Martin Luther King Jr. referred to poverty as one of three major evils in America, along with racism and war. He said of poverty, like a monstrous octopus, it spreads its nagging prehensile tentacles into cities and hamlets and villages all over our nation. It has a grip on so many communities in our country. Even to this day, poverty still has a grip on so many communities and households. But the children of Israel then and the children of God today can still say, I shall have what I shall have. Poverty was not on God's radar for these people. Here's what they could have. Number one, good land to grow good food. In verses 7 and 8, we're told they were being given good land, good fertile land to grow good food. Abundance was in the good land God gave them. If they were wise stewards who would tend the ground, remove the weeds, plant seeds, God would bless them to reap a harvest of good food expected to keep them in good health. Now, I could take that and make a metaphor of it and spiritualize it, but I want to keep it on, on a natural, biological, temporal level. Can you imagine what they would do with this land if they were to plant in this good land for good food, a lot of the stuff that we love to eat? Can you imagine if we walked up on some of them with their guards and, hey, hey what's that over there? And they say, I, I got some Coca-Cola right there. I got a row of Sprite right there. I got a, a, another row of all kinds of sugary, fizzy drinks to ruin your health. God did not give them good land to, to, so that they could have a poor diet. Can you imagine walking up on some of these children of Israel when they're in Canaan with this good land that they were given to grow good food? And we look at the gar their, their farm, their garden, and ask, well, well, what's that over there? And they say, oh, I got a row of potato chips over there. I got a row of Doritos and another row of Cheetos. out. I'm growing Doritos and Cheetos. Other stuff that we love to eat. Maybe I haven't come down your street yet. What, what, what do we looked at their farm, their garden? They said, oh, that over there, that's, that's, that's breakfast cereal over there. That's, I got Frosted Flakes. I got, uh, uh, what other cereal do I love? I got Cap'n Crunch over there and uh, uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. All those breakfast cereals. Oh, but what if in these gardens, what if in these farms where God gave them good land to raise up, good food so that they, so that they could be healthy and where he was taking them. But what if they were growing donuts, cookies, snicker bars, Reese cups and Reese sticks, all that other stuff I love. I mean, all that other stuff y'all be eating. They would plant food that they would eat to keep them in good health. I don't know what you have on your radar. To all my high school students, all my college students, God didn't have poverty 
on his radar for these people. He gave them good land so that they could have good health. I want to encourage you, encourage you, don't put obesity on your radar. Don't put high blood pressure on your radar. Don't, don't put diabetes on your radar. Don't, don't keep that stuff as much as you can. Keep that stuff off your radar. How? By eating food that, that comes from good land, food that's good for you, food that when you eat it, it makes you healthy. It helps to fight off diseases that we can avoid. But not only did God give them good land for good food, he gave them iron and brass in verse number 9. Iron and brass. They're told there's iron and brass in Canaan. They, they'd have to dig to get the iron and the brass. Some of us never avoid or escape poverty because we don't want to dig. Digging is hard work, but be willing, to, be willing to dig and you shall have what you shall have. Dig by going back to school or, or researching and looking into books and videos and podcasts or, or having conversations because you're trying to mine a treasure that God can use to bless you to be prosperous. But another thing about iron and brass is that they're metals that would help them create stuff like locks, nails, weapons, but also they could use iron and brass to make tools. Tools. Some of us can't get out of poverty because we're too busy buying toys instead of making tools. One of our Union Grove brothers, Virgil Lewis, posts pictures on Facebook as he travels in a truck that he bought to deliver stuff. He started his own business delivering different things. He took some money. Instead of buying a toy, he bought a tool. That truck is a tool he bought to bless him and his little son who sometimes accompanies him. You need some tools on your radar. Your phone, that smartphone, you use it as a toy. It should be a tool. Your computer is a toy when it could be a tool that, that produces income for you. Stop accumulating so many toys and develop some tools that can keep poverty off your radar. They had good, food, good land for good food, iron and brass to make weapons and tools, but they also would have their own homes Verse 12, verse 12, God told them, when, when you have built goodly homes, nice homes, they would have their own homes. Moses told the children of Israel, y'all going to have some nice homes and some, and some nice subdivisions out there in the suburbs. But when you do, don't forget that it was God who gave you the power to get wealth. Everyone on the come up who aspires to have wealth should have home ownership on their radar. Home ownership helps build wealth as it allows you to build equity and invest in something that's appreciating. I want, again, all of our high school students, all of our college students, everyone on the come up to declare the day shall come where I will own my own home. Put home ownership, keep home ownership on your radar start out in your apartment start out paying your rent start out with a roommate if you have to do that i wouldn't get more than one roommate if i were you start out however you got to start out but i always have in the back of your mind one day i shall own my own home i know a lot, a lot of people would have a problem with me preaching this it's all right for me to preach and tell you how god can make a way in your finances but it's not all right for me to tell you how god can bless you to get wealth, buy a house. Finally, verse 13, verse 13, I'm finished, verse 13. He would give them herd, flocks, silver, and gold. Now the flocks, the herds, the flocks, these represent stuff that you got to keep feeding. You got to keep reinvesting. 
in something that's keeping you, that's keeping you alive. You can't take all that you get from your income and spend it on yourself. Some of it to keep the herd going, to keep the flocks going, you got to reinvest in your herds and your flocks. Some of us can never get out of poverty because we won't keep reinvesting in what can keep us alive and keep us going. You have to take some of your increase and return it to feed what will keep you from starving and dying. But the silver and gold, the silver and gold can be used for jewelry. It can be used for them. They could have used it to wear stuff so that they would look like they were blessed. Yeah, when people, when, when folks would see you, would see them with silver and gold on their fingers and their wrists and their toes and all around their house, then they would know the Lord has blessed them with wealth because they were wearing it. They were decorating their houses with it. But silver and gold, accumulating, hoarding silver and gold can actually represent a trap. You can spend so much time accumulating silver and gold that you miss out on something far more valuable. Wisdom. Here's what the Bible says about silver, gold, and wisdom. I'm done. I'm done, Antoine. Job 28, 15. It cannot be bought with gold, which speaks of wisdom. It cannot be purchased with silver. Proverbs 3.14, Proverbs 3.14, for wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Proverbs 16.16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold, and good judgment than silver. Having silver and gold on your radar is one thing, I ain't going to fault you, but fall into the trap of accumulating so much of it that you become a good-looking, flashy fool. Get your wealth, but make sure you put wisdom on your radar. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That's what Paul told Timothy. So I'm closing with this. They were expected to get it. They were expected to make it. They were expected to become successful. They were expected to become prosperous. They were expected to get all the food, all the tools, all the homes, all the silver, all the gold, all the abundance. They were expected to get it. And when they got it, they need to remember it was all because the Lord blessed them to get it. It was God who was the reason why. God the reason why uh, that they would have what they would have. It was all, the, the reason why it would be God said they could have what, what was, was not for them to simply fill their cupboards and their closets and their bank accounts, but to prove himself faithful to them. That with all of the stuff they were getting, it wasn't just so that they could have and be blessed. It was so that they could look to God and say, you did what you said you would do. You brought us where you said we could go. We have what you said we could have. We made it through what you said we could make it through. You blessed us in response to our obedience. God, you're faithful. You're faithful. Make God your reason why. The reason why you live the way you live. The reason why you're going where you're going. The reason why you made it through what you went through. The reason why you have what it have. When God is your reason why. Then you can testify. It's all because God made it do what it do. And the most ultimate blessing that we have from God. And how he made it do what it do. Is that God gave us Jesus. He told us throughout the Old Testament, he'd give us a son, he'd give us a savior, he'd give us, he'd give us a redeemer, he gave us his son, Jesus. God wants to make it do what it do in your life, in bringing you salvation. It's one thing to speak of where we're going while we're still here on earth, 
But where are you going when you leave here? You're going somewhere. You're going somewhere. Why not decide to make heaven your home? Why not decide to make Jesus your savior? Why not decide today to make Jesus your Lord and then live for him? Go where he sends you. Endure what he would have you to endure. And you can have what he says you can have. You can have a home in heaven. You can have a, a glorified body. Hallelujah. You can have everlasting life. If I were you, I'd receive that today. I'd give Jesus my heart, give him my life, and receive what he has in store for me. If you've never, ever... This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.